All right, we're on. Oh, hi, Dan. Good morning. I'll probably put the papers on to the side because they might put block right your sound waves. Sound wave, 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 wave. <laughs> Goofball. Goofball, ball, ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to another season of Wrong Place, Right Time. Second season, yep. After a, a sheltered Colorado winter, you've got some amazing stories to tell. <laughs> I'll help Dan along. Yes, to, please. To, to uh, jog his memory for some of these stories that we have to get out of him. Hey, stop hitting my head. What are you doing? <laughs> come out, stories. Come out. It's time. Awaken, my friend. <laughs> Where does Dan get most of his stories from? I would say it's from uh, Dan's intense search for meaning. And, and that leads Dan to, to take risks that most of us don't take. And you'll, you'll find in his stories that, that Dan is, a, is very much a risk taker. Well, I, I, I'm just add to that, Brad. I think that one thing that also shows up for me is that I'm able to deal with or live in or see tension in between uh, the things that I do, the things that I believe. There's a, there's a tension that can be a creative space. And maybe that's the wrong, uh, the wrong place at the right time. There's a tension there. And that's what this podcast is trying to bring out, that there's a creative faithful relational tension that comes uh, with faith and with uh, risk-taking. And that tension can lead to bad situations uh, that you wish you weren't in, as well as it can lead to situations of uh, joy and compassion and things that lead to healing and love. start out season two by talking about accidents um i think accidents yeah and most of these like physical to, accidents like or what? A, automobile accidents wow yeah and i think a lot of people have experiences with accidents some are you know just small things but sometimes it's a tragic thing that can change your entire life yeah um and so i think i've got a, stories about both versions, kind of funny little stories about accidents, but some really serious uh, experiences with accidents. Yeah. Well, what's your first accident okay. story? Well, the first accident that I remember being in as a child and uh, was uh, we owned this uh, Ford Falcon station wagon, probably early 60s. Yeah, I'm sure it was like 61, 62, 
uh, early 60s. And um, my, it, I think we might have bought it used from somebody else. It was blue when we got it. But then later on, my dad had it painted this weird kind of cream color. It was such an ugly color. And I'm like, okay. But back then, they had the Earl Shive $29.95. You could get your car painted wow. for $29.95. This is in California. This was, no, it was in, I think we probably got it painted either in Denver or Minneapolis. Okay. But I think this happened, this story happens in Minneapolis. I want to say when I was probably six or seven years old, might've even happened a little earlier. Anyway, um, one day it was winter and we were driving around with my father and I was in the back seat of the Ford Falcon station wagon. And at that time we did not wear seat belts. Hardly anybody wore seat belts no, back then. I'm not even sure the car had seat belts. And uh, it was an icy day. And so we were coming out of a parking lot and my father tried to put on the brakes and the car just was sliding. And there was a car stopped in front of us going out of the parking lot. And we slid and went right into the back of that car. And it wasn't really fast. It wasn't like a real bad uh, accident. But the funny thing about it was that this Ford Falcon um, had a dash. The dashboard was made of metal. It was not mm. padded or anything like a lot of dashboards are these days. Uh, or plastic, it was out of metal. And so when we hit the back of that other car, I flew forward out of the back seat and hit the dash. But I didn't just hit the dash with, uh, I, I, uh, with my head. I actually had my mouth open for some reason. I hit the dash with my teeth. Oh my gosh. And so my, my, it ended up, I indented my teeth marks into the metal dash in the middle of this dash of the Falcon. Yeah, and so that from then on, there was a, there was this teeth, uh, this round <laughs> teeth mark. Uh, what do you cast of my teeth in the dash of the car of a metal dashboard? Yes. Well, what happened to you? <laughs> it didn't actually. I didn't lose my teeth. It didn't push them back. For some reason, I, I guess I had really strong teeth. You weren't hurt. I was not hurt. I'm sure at the time my mouth hurt, but that was from then on. It was always there as a reminder <laughs> of that little accident we had. It was so funny, <laughs> right smack in the middle of the dash. Um, this is kind of to say that. I've always uh, led with my head. <laughs> I have, and I, that's why I've had so many concussions in my life. Well, explain what you mean by led with my head. <laughs> I, I was a very clumsy kid, and I would fall, and when I would fall, instead of putting my hands out for some reason, I would always hit my head. So you're 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 literally meaning you've led with your head. <laughs> See, literally. Yeah, there's, there's also a this, figurative meaning Yeah, that. this is with not my, some, like, oh, he's so intelligent, he always leads with well, his head. Well, but you not know? necessarily <laughs> intelligent, but, like, some people... Some people lead with their heart. Oh, I lead, see. You know, you might lead more intellectually or, yes. or you're too much in your head no that's, this is, that's what i was thinking <laughs> no this is literally okay. as a child i would lead with my head and always i had so i i had many uh, stitches in my head i've had many stitches in my forehead from leading with my head i see um, okay 
although I guess if I were to say with my with my with my spiritual life or with my life uh, my passion I've led with my heart yeah, yeah definitely yeah. been a person that's led with his heart but with my uh, <laughs> I don't know with accidents and things I've, I've often led with my head and I'll tell more stories about that as we go along anyway so What's the outcome of that story, though? I mean, did there, anything no, else happen No, like, this is a buildup to something right, else. So, right. so that was my first accident as a child, first accident in my life, first automobile accident. Later on, when I became a teenager, I got a car. You know, first I had a motorcycle, then I bought a, a sports car. And I really liked sports cars. And this was in the 70s. I was able to buy these old sports cars that were pretty worn out for, you know, anywhere from 700 to $1,000. I would get a sports car that would be smoking out the back. and mm -hmm. But it had, you know, the convertible top and all of that. So, but you you were a pretty good mechanic under the hood. You yeah. could you could fix things up. Yeah, I learned. Yeah. I learned very much in that time to be a mechanic and was able to fix and work on my cars, not rebuild the motors necessarily, but to do pretty much everything else, replace the clutch. And in that era, I would switch back and forth between having a motorcycle, which was cheaper, and having a sports car. When I was able to save a little bit of money, I would buy a sports car. And then when I couldn't afford it anymore, I'd sell it and get a motorcycle. And uh, that would go back and forth. So I had probably five sports cars during that time and close to 10 to 12 motorcycles. This was over a period of probably five, six years. And one of, one of the sports cars that I had um, early on was a, a Triumph Spitfire. And a uh, great looking sports car. Mm -hmm. When you open the hood, it's not just the hood that opens. The entire front of the car comes up mm -hmm. from the from the driver's uh, side. It comes pops up forward, and you can see the entire the whole motor. So I, it was really cool to you know lift up the front of the car. Rather, there was no hood. It was just the entire fenders and everything. You could see the wheels and the motor. And so I had this Trans Spitfire. Um, actually, I had two of those. One, my first one was red. My second one was like blue or something, I think. And uh, anyway, one of my, my second uh, sports car, I bought and I only had it about a week. And I wanted to show a friend of mine my sports car. And his name was Bobby. And he was from Sweden. He was my Swedish friend. We did a lot of adventures together, a lot of skateboarding in the sewers. And we had, a, we tried to fly a, a build and fly a hang glider one time. There's lots of stories that go with Bobby. And so I wanted to show him my new car. And so I drove over to his house and he had a friend who was visiting from Sweden and this friend didn't really speak English. And his name was Undish. I think. Undish. Well, I think that was his nickname, Undish. We often, so well, we not often, but we would call him underwear, undish, <laughs> underwear. And uh, he was there. So I said, hey, let's go for a ride. I want to take you for a ride in my new sports car. And so they get in. And the problem with the sports car is there's two seats. There's not three seats. 
And so Andish, we got Andish to sit in the middle of the two seats on the parking brake. And so Andish is sitting on the parking brake and Bobby's on one side, I'm on the other, and we're driving the sports car and I'm driving around like a, and I say, hey, let's go over to Dictionary Hill. And Dictionary Hill in San Diego is actually famous because people do all kinds of crazy things on Dictionary Hill. It's very steep and it cuts off sharply so that you can actually jump a car or a skateboard. It's and it's very goes very you can go very fast uh, down Dictionary Hill. And if you want, look up some uh, YouTube videos about Dictionary Hill. There's some skateboard scenes that are pretty. Pretty scary and some car stuff. Anyway, back in the day, uh, this is back way back in the in the in the seventies, and I said, "Let's go over to Dictionary Hill." And so we drove over there from Bobby's house, and I was usually we would take our cars up Dictionary Hill and jump them on the way up, and you kind of go off. They had you go up the first section, it cut off. And then you go to the second section and it cut off. And usually we, on the first section, we get up speed and we jump on, jump our cars or motorcycles or whatever on the way up. Well, I decided, you know, Andish is from Sweden. I'm going to show him a really good time. Now, is it paved or is it just It's dirt? paved. It's, it's paved. paved. Okay. And so I'm going to show him what for. And so I go up. I don't jump on the way up. I said, we're going to do it on the, we're going to come down. And, and I said, let's jump the car on the way down. And they're all, you know, Bobby's all, yeah, yeah. I think he was all into it. And uh, the problem was I had this car a week, and I was not used to this car. And I should not have been doing this no matter what. I shouldn't have done this anyway. But I'm coming down and I'm showing off. And so we're making good speed on the way down. And I think we probably get somewhere between 50 and 60 miles an hour on uh, the way down. Uh, and uh, we are really hauling. And Anish is in the middle. And we hit, we hit the cutoff and we hit this jump. And we become airborne. And it's actually silent i mean we go <laughs> off this and you all you hear and this is this the breeze the wind it's the breeze yeah it's like all of a sudden everything turns silent and we're floating and this is this is in the evening it's actually dark when we're doing this i forgot to add that this is in the dark and so we take off and i we had jumped a lot farther than i expected and so we're floating in the air, and somehow in the air, I turn the steering wheel. I don't even notice it, but I turn the steering wheel. And the thing with a sports car, these sports cars of these eras, they have what you call rack and pinion steering. Very sensitive, very tight. So if, if you just turn the steering wheel a little bit, the wheels actually turn quite a bit. And, and so we're flying through the air, and I turn the, spiel, the steering wheel accidentally, and we come and we're going down the hill and we hit the we hit the pavement you know and all of a sudden the car starts veering oh. to the left side and i'm like oh my gosh and we're veering to the left side and we're hauling down this hill and so i grab the steering wheel and since i'm not used to it i overcorrect to the other side and we go back to the other side and then we start spinning oh and we're going down this very steep hill and we are spinning round and round. 
and it, we're spinning all the way down the hill. And at the bottom of the hill, the car spins around and actually hits the curb and jumps the curb and hits this dirt, uh, this dirt bank that's on the side of the curb. And the steer, the hubcap comes off and dirt comes, uh, it, it, it scrapes up dirt and dirt shoots up into the air. The hubcap shoots up, to, up into the air and we land on this bank, kind of off on the curb on this bank. And it took about two seconds and the hubcap came down, bang, bang, bang. And all this dirt dust came down on top of us. And we're just sitting there. And the whole time, Andish, who can't speak a word of English, is sitting on the parking brake. Oh, my gosh. When I talk to Bobby these days, I ask him, is, did Andish, was Andish able to have children? Is he okay? <laughs> Actually, though, none of us were hurt. Were hurt. And we didn't roll the car, which is is actually stunning because one of the things about a spitfire is every time i would go around a corner really sharply and, and try to squeal around a corner it would not you know slide or drift around a corner it would actually hop oh, for some oh, reason oh. The, the way the suspension was in the back wheels it would go er, 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 yeah. er, around <laughs> around corners and yeah. which means we should have rolled, should have rolled. Yeah. And, yeah and it's actually uh, we mm. were very it was amazing that we didn't die. Well, this is late at night. As soon as all of the dust came down on us and the hubcap, some dog started barking. A bunch of dogs, or a dog started barking fairly closely. And, and I'm like, oh no, we got to get out of here. Someone's going to call the police and we're going to be in trouble for doing this. And, and so I start the car up and it starts up and I start pulling away. And the rear axle that slammed against the curb actually bent and so as we're pulling away we're going up and down with the rotation of that back tire i mean it's very noticeable and i can't go very fast because we're hopping up and down like you know it's just like this the whole way everyone who drives by us on the way drive back to bobby's house is like pointing honking really on their horn and pointing at the wheel and we're like yeah we, we know we're nodding we know. our heads and so somehow we make it back. I drop Bobby and Undish off, and I, who knows how they tell how he Undish tells this story to this day in it's, Sweden. Yeah. Oh man, he's like the day I almost died in America. And then um, I I drove back to my house. I was living with my parents at the time, and I didn't want them to know. I didn't want my dad. To, you know, I have a history with my dad that I'll talk about at other times, but I didn't want him to know that I had wrecked the car. Uh, it wasn't his car, but I didn't want him to yell at me for it and, and all of that. So I left the car on the street. This was late at night, went in, everybody was asleep, went into my room, went to sleep. I actually slept in my clothes because I wanted to wake up really early. I was like, I'm going to wake up really early and fix the car before my dad knows what, what happened. And so I slept in my clothes and I woke up at like five in the morning. And then I drove over. Did I drive the car? I can't believe I would drive the car. Somehow, I I think maybe I had a like a Honda 90 or something. I drove over to a fr another friend's house named Larry. And he, 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 he and I used to work on cars together. And I said to him, I knocked on his window. He was still asleep. But I knocked on his 
window and said, Larry, get up. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, get up. I wrecked my car. I need to go to the junkyard. We have to go to the junkyard. You have to drive me. And so we got in his, he had a Mustang, really nice Mustang. And uh, we drove to the junkyard with his Mustang. And when it opened, we went in and um, got, I knew it was the axle. So we took an axle out of an old. Wait, was this at night? No, this was in the morning, oh, in early, the morning, morning. early in the morning, but they and, were open. You could go in. Yeah, we went in. We, we waited till they were open and yeah. we went in. Yeah. And then it was one of those uh, pay and pull and pay, they call them junkyards, where oh. you go and you pull out anything you want from an old junky car yeah. and you you bring it to the office and then you they tell you that's, I don't know how much, and, they, and you pay them. So we did that. We pulled out an axle from an old spitfire in the junkyard and paid for it and he took it back to my house and then he had to go and so i spent the day out on the street in front of our house working on pulling the the bent axle and putting in a new axle into this the rear end of this spitfire uh, triumph spitfire and my dad came out at one point and he's like what what are you doing danny what are you working on i'm like oh i'm Work. I'm redoing the brakes. You know, I told him I, I, I lied to him. I told him I'm working on the brakes. You didn't want to tell him you got I did accident. not. I, yeah. I was terrified of my father yeah. most of my life. And um, and so I told him I was working on the brakes. And he's like, oh, okay. And he went back in the house. And I actually ended up repairing the whole Spitfire, putting in a new axle, and redoing the car without getting caught. Without getting caught, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it didn't, it actually didn't stop me from driving crazy. It should have. Yeah. But then later in a few years, uh, a year later or so, I bought a MG Midget, little teeny sports car, MG Midget. Do you still have your Triumph at the no, same time? No, I, I had sold you that sold car. sold that, okay. And never had two cars at once. I, I sold it, had a motorcycle probably through the winter when it was really cold, when I shouldn't have had a motorcycle. And then I bought a, a MG Midget and uh, I had another accident with that. Uh, this time I was, I had a, this a girlfriend that uh, I really liked and I hung out at her house a lot. And we were driving in my MG Midget. She was in one side on the one seat, I was in the other. And her sister drove, her older sister drove, drove a Volvo. And so we were following her sister down this road uh, in San Diego, kind of a curvy road. And her sister messing around passed us in the Volvo. And so for me, that's an invitation. Yeah. Oh, we're going to, we're going to race now. And so she took yeah. off, she passed us. And so I'm, I put it in, you know, downshift and I take off behind her. And so I decide to pass her. Um, but this is a very, very curvy road. And so I'm passing her as we're curving, uh, going around this curve to the left. And I'm thinking, this is a blind curve. If somebody's coming up the street, we're going to run right smack into them. I have to go as fast as possible and cut in front of her before we get around this curve because we're going to die. 
And so I, I, I instead, I, I don't think, well, I should break and pull in. I think I should go fast. So I'm going super fast and I get around, we're coming around the curve and I cut right in front of her, but I cut so sharply that I lose control of the car again. <laughs> what an idiot. And so I lose control and we start spinning. In again? The and again, we're spinning. spinning. I have all these spinning accidents. Oh and so we start spinning and we jump. It, the car goes and the curb goes this way. And the, and to the right are a bunch of houses and it's kind of downhill. And so we, jump the curb in the car, and we are spinning across the lawn of the first house. <laughs> yes, it's funny now, but yeah. it was not at the time. No. And we're spinning around, and then there's a, uh, like a four-foot bank that drops off. We go down the bank and start spinning across the second yard. We are really going fast, and we're spinning across the second yard, and we go down the bank and there's the third yard and there's a tree in the middle of the third yard. And I'm thinking, we're going to hit that tree. And we spin around and land between the tree and the house on their lawn. We land between the, and we didn't hit the tree. I mean, it was, it was amazing that we, again, that we didn't die. And your girlfriend stayed with you for Jeez. how long after that? Not long. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised she didn't break up with me right there and then, or her parents say, you can't be with them. But, and so we landed right between the tree. And, and the woman comes out of that house, and she starts screaming and yelling at me. And I'm just like dramatically, I, I don't know what I, how to say it. Yeah. I'm just like, dazed from this well, this you're, accident you're in shock you're alive yeah and i get out and and my girlfriend gets out and the woman comes out and she's just yelling and she's like you ruined my lawn what are you doing you why are you driving so crazy and blah, 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 yelling at me and non-stop and i'm like i can't handle this i can't handle this so i get back in my mg midget and and try to start it up and it starts up a little but the whole thing is shaking and I get it off her lawn and in down her driveway and into the street. And she's still, she's yelling at me. I was going to stop, but she's yelling like crazy. And I decide, I turn off the engine and I just start coasting. <laughs> and she's yelling at me and I'm coasting away from her. And I, I go down the hill and I coast like a block or two away, all the way down the hill. And then I park the car next to the so the police still aren't there. Did they ever no come? Police, no police ever came. The police didn't come. No, the, my accidents were policeless uh, wow. as far as this goes. So you didn't get cite. You didn't get a citation. Or no citation. Or what happened to the car though is that we I ripped the motor completely off the motor mounts. Hmm. So in cars, motors are attached to the car by the motor mount, and they have to be attached to work. This accident completely ripped the motor. So it was in there loose. It was completely ripped off of these the mounts that it sits on in the car. And I eventually did fix I eventually fixed it. But um Well, I want to know what happened to the people's whose lawns okay. you, you destroyed. So eventually <laughs> I when I got cooled down and, and I 
relax a little. I went back to the house and oh, knocked on her door. There you go, Dan. That's I, the Dan I know. Yeah. Even back then. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I I will work on, I will fix your yard. And the other two yards weren't so bad. Somehow we slid over those without much damage, but hers had a lot of, the whole oil pan broke and it was leaking on the front lawn and wow. ruined her lawn. And, and so... I talked with her. I said, "Here, I'll work on. I'll fix. I'm. I was actually working in landscaping at the time, and I said, "I'll fix everything for you." And she she had calmed down, and we worked it out. And I spent, I don't know how many days over at her place, repairing her lawn. Mm. And then I put the car at my girlfriend's house in this old chicken coop they had. I parked it in there, and it was parked in there for maybe six to eight months, just sitting there. Was it? Was it? Beyond repair? No, I eventually went, got some motor mounts at the junkyard and put the whole thing back together and got it running. And then I sold, sold it, it. <laughs> <laughs> like I usually did. But uh, so that's, those are two, those are three just weird, funny, dumb teenage accidents that I probably should have died in. So re and recount the three. Yeah. So the first one was the, the Ford Falcon teeth. Oh, with your, that's right. Dash. When you were very, very young. Yeah. Okay. That, and the, yeah. the jumping the car accident <laughs> and then uh, spinning with my bike. And, and all three, you had the potential to die in all three uh, of those. And stories. all three were my fault. Well, the, not the, not first, the one. first one, yeah. but the two other ones were my fault. In that, during that time, I was such a bad driver in terms of crazy that I, got so many tickets. I probably had close to 12 to 15 tickets of different things on motorcycles, in my cars. When you were in your early 20s? Yeah, when yeah. I was early, or before I, I got uh, got to know Kelly and got married to her. Actually, when we got married, her insurance company just automatically put me on her policy. They didn't check my background or anything. And, and so they put her, uh, us on, and it was very cheap, and I'm like, oh, good, good, this is good. And six months later, they called us up and said, you have to come into our office. Come into our office. We want to, we want to talk to you. And we got in there, and, and they said, and the guy sits, he's sitting behind his desk. He sits us down. He's like, uh, we didn't check your, your record before we put you on the insurance. And... We we're not supposed to have you on insurance. You do not have a good enough record to be getting this price and on this insurance. And I said to her, and was, this was actually true. I said to her at the time, um, or was it guy? No, it was a guy. I said to him at the time, uh, I've changed. I said, I've gotten married. I'm no longer that way. I don't drive like that anymore. I've completely changed. And, and the guy said, no, I don't believe you. You're <laughs> You're going to end up having an accident, and it's going to be sooner than later. And and I said, no, I've changed, I've changed. And he said, I – and actually, he ended up saying, okay, we're going to keep you on the insurance policy that you have, but I swear that you're going to have an accident. Okay. Okay, so – and I never, ever since then ever had an, an accident uh, that was my fault. Okay. Again. Right. So it's been – 40, 40 years. Uh, however, 
Now the story that I want to talk about, boy, this we're thirty minutes in. I know. Well, this we might have to do a part two, but you can still tell okay. the story. I'm going to tell you this story. Yeah, yeah. So once Kelly and I got married, uh, I was she had a Volkswagen Beetle, early seventies, I think, baby blue, and I would ride a, a blue Honda one seventy five Enduro. We called them Enduros, kind of street dirt bike and I was going to college at San Diego State go San Diego State they're right now in the final four four. so you can judge where we're doing this this weekend yes go Aztecs anyway I was going to San Diego State and I would ride my motorcycle and there were no helmet laws in California at the time and some days I would wear a helmet other days I wouldn't well one uh let, let me back up a little because this has a lot of background to it. So this was in the early 80s, and it was – this was during the time uh, of the famine in Ethiopia. Now you're like, what does famine in Ethiopia have to do with the, with the accident? But we were watching uh, on the TV, like a lot of people, the famine and how bad it was. Yeah, it was just – a horrible famine and thousands of maybe even hundreds of ten, thousands, hundreds of, thousands yeah. of people were dying you remember yeah. that yes I right do. and yes. Bono was involved and Live Aid this was when they did a lot of raising of money to save people in Ethiopia well we were watching this on the TV and I was very passionate about my faith and am very passionate about being a follower of Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus says is don't worry about tomorrow, but trust God for tomorrow. And and the other things that he says is give to those who are in need, give to those who are hungry or thirsty. And we were watching this. I said to my wife, we, uh, we should give money to this famine because this is really important and we're fine. And we hardly made any money at all at the time. We're living in a two-bedroom duplex that I've talked about before on Ronald Court. And so I said to her, and and we had this uh, medical insurance with Kaiser. When Kelly was working, we had it for nothing, but she hadn't been working for a couple of years, and we were paying Cobra. They called Cobra Mm -hmm. on it to continue it. We still have Cobra. Okay. And I said to her, let's stop paying for insurance. Let's go off of insurance because God will take care of us. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. And let's send the money to Ethiopia. And she was convinced by me. (laughs) She would not be so convinced by me nowadays. (laughs) But she was then. And and so we took the money and we stopped paying insurance. And we started sending our our insurance money to the famine in Ethiopia. And I felt like that was what we should do. Because they were starving and dying right now. And we only had possible things that could go wrong in the future. And we were young. So anyway, that's the background. So we were sending our our insurance money to Ethiopia. And one day I drove my motorcycle to San Diego State to go to my classes. And I was majoring in world religions at the time. I wanted to go on to seminary to become trained as a pastor. And I chose world religions as my undergraduate degree. 
And so I, I went to a class on Buddhism that day. And the great thing about San Diego State was that you had a class on Buddhism. It was by a Buddhist. You had a class on Islam. It was by a, a Muslim. And I, I really got a lot, although uh, some classes were not so great, but for the most part, they were really interesting. And, and I learned a lot. And so I went to this class on Buddhism. And I don't remember exactly what the class was about, but Buddhism, their heaven is nirvana. And we talked about different things that are Buddhist understandings of heaven and earth and, and people. And, and, and so I finished class and I got on my motorcycle. And that day, I luckily, I wore my helmet. I put on my helmet, got on my motorcycle, started driving home. Uh, as I was going home, not far from San Diego State, I was going down, I don't remember the road, but I was probably going 50, 50 miles an hour down this road. I think the speed limit was probably 45. I was going 50. And as I was going down the road at 50 miles an hour, I checked my mirror to see what was behind me. Didn't check it for very long, but a little longer than usual. Looked at my mirror and when I turned around, there was a white car uh, crossing the road mm. right in front of me. I was probably six feet from the car, mm. 50 miles an hour. I remember it was white. I don't remember anything else about it. And I hit the side of the car. And my it, it crumpled my motorcycle, my front wheel and 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 forks folded underneath the front of the bike and it launched me off the motorcycle. And so I launched in the air. Uh, actually, I don't remember this part. This is what people told me afterwards. I launched off the motorcycle. I had two skid marks all the way up my legs, uh, like scab marks from the mirrors as I went over, the mirrors dragged across my legs. So pretty much from your knee to the front of your legs, from your uh, knee towards my crotch. Yeah. 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 And so I was catapulted over this car and I shot up in the air and people said I kind of did a flip in the air and uh, at 50 miles an hour and came down on actually one person said you landed on your feet, <laughs> but then I didn't stay on my feet and I just, started rolling, rolling down the middle of the road. Of course, uh, I don't remember any of this because I was, I hit my head at some point and I was knocked out. But you had your helmet on. I had my helmet on, yeah. but I was completely out cold and ended up laying in the middle of the road. All my papers and stuff from my backpack were scattered everywhere. They just flew out of my backpack um, in the, in the accident. And so I'm laying in the middle of the road knocked out. And this is the weird part of this story. It is it, 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 very. And so I'm having a dream while I'm knocked out. And the dream, in the dream, a voice comes to me and the voice says, Dan, you're in Nirvana. And I don't, I don't know this voice and I don't trust this voice. I don't know why. I just didn't trust this voice. I felt like I don't know this voice. I don't, and so I said to this voice, no, I'm not in Nirvana. And the voice says, no, Dan, you're in Nirvana. 
And I'm like, no, I'm not in Nirvana. <laughs> and we're having this argument, me and this voice, as I'm knocked out in the middle of the street, and that I'm in Nirvana and I'm not, and I'm yelling, no, I'm not in Nirvana, I'm not in Nirvana. And then I wake up in the middle of the street. I don't know if I actually said when I woke up, said, I'm not in Nirvana, I'm not in Nirvana, but that's how I, I don't remember that part. But so then I woke up in the street. I probably was knocked out for 10, 15 minutes and, uh, and, uh, woke up and my head immediately my head hurt really bad and and i couldn't focus on anything in fact it's like those old cartoons where the where the you know the cat or the mouse takes the giant mallet and hits the cat on the head and then everything goes back and forth like yeah yeah and that's exactly no it didn't feel that way it was actually it felt that way, but it actually was. Everything oh. was moving back and forth. Oh. My eyes couldn't focus, and everything was moving back and forth. And finally came to the center, and I was able to see. And I'm laying in the middle of the road, surrounded by people. And uh, the ambulance hadn't come yet. And uh, the first thing I thought of was, oh, no. We gave our money for insurance to Ethiopia, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no insurance. my wife's gonna kill me, we have no insurance, and I hear oh. I'm in a bit in an accident, and and I'm really in pain, and um, and so I'm laying there, and so I immediately start praying, and I say, God, you know, God, that we gave our money to the Ethiopians, and here I am, Lord, <laughs> and I have no insurance, and I need to trust you. You said, trust you uh, each day, you know, just take each day at a time and trust that uh, God, you will give me what I need. Uh, and so I'm laying praying in the middle of the road. And then the ambulance comes. And I'm thinking, I can't afford the ambulance. I can't afford to pay for an ambulance to take me to the hospital. And so the guys get out and they're checking me and they're looking me over, take my helmet off. And, and, and so I say to them after a while, I say, I'm sorry, I can't afford to go to the hospital. I can't afford to pay for the ambulance. I need to just go home. I don't, I don't want to get in the ambulance. And, and they had seen enough motorcycle accidents. Mm -hmm. so, the, so they're actually, they knew I was decent. I wasn't like life threatened, but mm -hmm. they, they both laughed. You know, I said, mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry, but I have to get up and go. And they laughed out loud. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, okay. Just stand up and walk away. <laughs> and so I, and so I try to move, and I cannot. Can't my body move. is completely like I can't oh, move man. at all. And yeah. I'm like, uh, they and laughed. Like, they and they're, laughed. And, they're, and, they're like, and I'm trying okay, to get up, away. and they laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and so they said, "Okay, now you want to go in the ambulance?" I'm like, "Okay, I guess I have to." And so they wow. put me on the gurney, and they put me in the ambulance, and took me to the hospital. And actually, I've mentioned the community we lived in, Ronald Court. My next door neighbor in Ronald Court was studying to, he wanted to be a, a doctor. And so he was pre-med and he was actually working at the hospital in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. And they brought me in and he, I told him, is Craig here? And they said, oh yeah. And so he came in and he was actually looking me over and, and giving me x-rays and, and all of that stuff. They were all putting me through everything. He was allowed to give you the x-rays. Yeah. He, well, he was part of, uh, I don't remember what he was specifically doing, but he was, uh, he was my friend. And so he was he, he guiding me through a whole process. Wow. 
And he had to end up putting at the end when I got after I got all the x-rays and everything. I got all these x-rays, everything, and they nothing was broken. Not a single bone was broken. Um, that's unbelievable. It was crazy. I wow. felt like I felt horrible. I was I was like gray because I was all the blood had just drained out of my body. I could barely walk, but there was nothing that they could no bones broken or any mm-hmm. internal organs injured. I probably had a huge concussion from concussion. that. That's definitely a concussion. Yeah, just so many. I mean, you're totally yeah. bru- bruised up. But he in the end had to put my shoes on for me, and he was. I mean, you know, we're young twenties and he was making fun of me that he had to tie my, put on my shoes and tie my shoes that I couldn't do it. And anyway, I went home and I laid around for a week because I could could barely move and everything healed up. And, and so that's, uh, and it turned out of course that the accident was the fault of the woman crossing the road. Okay. And she was an old woman that I never met her or her husband, but apparently she was very old, uh, older woman, had this white car. I, I called the insurance or the police station and, and got her number. I said, I, I need to know who the person is that I had the accident with. I just want to call her and let her know I'm okay. Cause I thought this woman's going to want to know whether I died or not. I Did she stop her. after that happened? Or? I never saw her after. From, no, she stopped, I'm sure, and the yeah. police took care of it because okay, it was so, a police report. Yeah, yeah. But I never saw her ever before or after. I didn't know who she was. But I, I got her phone number, and I called her, and I said – and she answered, and I said, I'm the person you had the accident with. She said, oh, oh, oh. she got all nervous, and her husband got on the phone and mm-hmm. said, what, what – talk to the insurance company. What, what are yeah. you talking – and I said, no, I just wanted to call and say, let you know that I'm okay, that I mm. that I didn't die, <laughs> that I didn't get hurt more than what happened, and I wanted to let you know that I was okay. And he, he just hung up on me. He did. He, he was up. so he was so afraid. Yeah, that, that you were gonna sue him. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew nothing about actually about what happens in accidents with insurance. So the insurance company called me in, their insurance company, and said, okay. Uh, we told out your motorcycle. We'll give you, I don't know how much it was. Like, <laughs> we'll total out your motorcycle and we'll give you some money for pain and suffering. And I'm like, I don't even know what pain and suffering is. I'm like, mm. no, I'm okay. And I was really a bad negotiator. Yeah. With them. And so they ended up giving me $500. $500 for this happening. And you started paying insurance after that? <laughs> um, no, I actually had a thing with insurance. So that we could talk about at some other point. But um, and they paid the the ambulance and the hospital bill and they gave me. I see. And I used the five hundred dollars to go to the junkyard, got a brand new fork and and wheel for the front of my motorcycle. And I actually ended up putting that motorcycle back together and driving that to school. The only problem was that the frame was bent so that the the handlebars for the motorcycle were actually off to the right about, I would say about four inches. And so I would ride to the side, <laughs> but it still worked. And so I still rode that motorcycle. You, you fixed that baby. It's a miracle, <laughs> it's a miracle you were alive. Yeah. 
I can't even imagine. Uh, I mean, it I was mean, crushed. I can't even imagine what that looked like though, for onlookers to watch this guy oh. flying through the air. Yep. There was a, a, a girl actually from my class was walking home and saw the accident. And she's the one that called my wife oh, gosh, yeah. and told her that I was in an accident and, uh, that I was that I was okay, but she saw she was the one that told me about every me doing the flip and the papers flying out. But anyway, so I was able to visit Nirvana, and I was able to still pay, pay uh, money to the Ethiopians who were starving in the famine, and all because uh, I felt like this is what Jesus' teaching was about, and in a weird way, it worked out. And I don't say that lightly yeah, yeah. that it would that I shouldn't have died or that I shouldn't yeah. have stayed in Nirvana, but but it worked out and it made me think a lot more about what insurance is about. And so I've been we have insurance we have uh, we've had insurance over our lives, but there's been long times with where we haven't because mm -hmm. I simply think living for today means caring for people that are in need today. Yeah. Anyway, that's well, just a little. And I'm common. sure you're. I'm. I'm sure knowing you, your. You know your your faith makes you believe that you were protected. You were protected, and. Uh, well, uh, and I don't think I'm always protected, but I do think sometimes God honors. You know, I felt like God honored our sacrifice for the Ethiopians, honored our gift, and took care of me. Yeah. And yeah. my family, and that's happened many times. Mm -hmm. And and again, I there's a lot of abuse of that kind of thing. I don't want to say that lightly, but mm -hmm. but what's uh, how could I be more in the wrong place? Um, yeah. At in, in then laying in the street, knocked out. Maybe I was in the right place in Nirvana, but I, I was. Th I just felt like no. That's for Buddhists. I'm a Christian. That's I'm not right. supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be a nirvana. I should be in like heaven or something. And but I ended up in the wrong place. But in in some ways, it was the right time for God's people. It was the right time for the Ethiopians that we were giving them what they needed, and God was there. God was in this time. I can't say what specifically and where and how he t took care of me, but I know he was there with mm. me. Well, Dan, it's good being with you this morning on this, uh, this edition of the wrong place, right time podcast. And I feel fortunate that you're still alive. Yeah, I should not be alive. And I have that, a lot uh, more stories too able, where I should be dead. Been able to meet you. <laughs> and, uh, your, your... Anyway, uh, Welcome to season two, and thanks, Brad, for being a part of this with me. Cue the music. Adios.